The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. Our show will educate you about OA's 12-step program so you recognize the symptoms of compulsive eating and find the support you need in a program that works to help you control your eating behaviors and maintain a healthy weight. In this next hour, you will realize you're not alone and that there is hope for recovery and a whole new life free of obsession with food and weight. Now, here is your host, Naomi Lapel. Good afternoon and welcome to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous, a 12-step solution to compulsive eating. I'm Naomi LaPelle, Managing Director of Overeaters Anonymous, also known as OA. We're presenting this series to tell you about the OA program and help you decide if maybe it's something you want to try. So today's topic are OA meetings. Meetings are gatherings of two or more compulsive eaters who come together to share their personal experience and the strength and hope OA has given them. In OA meetings, you'll find men and women from all walks of life, of all shapes and sizes, some overweight or obese, others not. There will be those whose experiences with food and compulsive eating mirror yours, and others who have struggled in different ways. But fellowship with other compulsive eaters is the basis of all OA meetings. Meetings give us an opportunity to identify the common problem, confirm the common solution through the 12 steps, and share the gifts received through the program. Today, we're talking with three guests from OA, all of whom have attended OA meetings for many years and have long-term success achieving and maintaining a healthy weight. As always, since anonymity is an important principle of our program, we'll only be using their first name. So we are going to start start with Mike. Welcome, Mike. Hi. Thank you, Naomi. Thanks for being on the show. So um, tell me a little bit about um, your weight loss and how long you've been maintaining that. Sure. I've been a member of Overeaters Anonymous for almost 23 years, and because of OA, I've been able to keep uh, 80 pounds off myself for over two decades, and I've been maintaining a normal weight since then. Fantastic. And what was your life like before you came to OA? Tell me a little bit about your compulsive eating history, maybe some examples, some horror stories, whatever you've got. (laughs) Sure. Sure. I have plenty of those. Um, As a kid... I would eat constantly. Um, a lot of it was just to escape feelings of fear um, or just things that happened that I didn't like. Um, so I was afraid, for example, of playing baseball or doing other things because I was a fat kid and all the kids would laugh at me. And to squash those painful feelings, I ate over them. Um, and I gave up things just to eat. So, for example, I remember one time... Uh, I was about 13 years old, and um, 
It was the night that Hank Aaron was expected to eclipse Babe Ruth's home run record, and it was going to be on television. I was so excited to see that. And uh, I ran home from a scout meeting, and before I got to the living room, I had to stop at the fridge. I didn't really need to, but of course, I'm a compulsive eater. I did, and I was eating for about two minutes. Totally forgot about the black and white TV on top of the fridge yet, and I turned it on just in time for the special news report that Hank Aaron already hit the home run. And I was just devastated and really upset. But you know what I did? I ate some more because I was just upset. So I gave up the desire to see that historic moment because food was so important to me. It just blinded me to anything else. Um, In my young adulthood, I was fat. Um, I used to weigh about 270 pounds, but I would yo-yo with some crazy diets uh, or attempts at diets, let me say it that way and exercise bulimia. I'd be exercising for hours and hours, trying to keep off the weight, and um, yo-yoing was just really crazy. It did a lot on my body. Um, I had a lot of pain in my joints and um, skin rashes and all kinds of awful stuff in my young 20s, where you think that'd be the prime of my life for my body. Yeah. Did you find that um, you you had more of a relationship with food than you did with people at that time? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, sure, I had friends, and I had superficial relationships with people at work or or with groups where I had hobbies and things like that, but uh, to have a really important, deep, healthy relationship didn't exist because I didn't know how to um, talk to somebody when I was upset. I would just escape into food, Um, didn't know how to communicate and negotiate a, uh, a difficult situation, either emotional or otherwise. And anything that seemed challenging or difficult, I ignored because the food felt better. Yeah. Wow. So how did you finally hear about OA? Uh, by a therapist. I was in therapy for a couple of years for other reasons. And uh, the therapist suggested OA. And Though I didn't know about the phrase at the time, I said something along the line of "thank you for sharing" and ignored it because I was in my uh, one of my relatively trim phases at the time. Um, still a bit heavier than now, but thinner than my highest weight. So, a few months after that is when I really discovered that I needed OA after some just incredibly spectacular Christmas time binges. I was gaining a pound a day for a couple of weeks um, the December before I joined. Wow, that's actually difficult to do, isn't it, to gain a pound a day from what I understand? Yeah, because I understand it's about 3,500 calories per pound. Yeah. (laughs) So that, in addition (laughs) to my normal nutritional needs, probably well over 5,000 calories a day. Wow, amazing. Yeah. So that was kind of your, um, what we would call maybe hitting bottom. That was like, you just, you knew there something had to change at that point. Absolutely, because I was in a point then... Every single day in that late last half of November, okay, I'll diet tomorrow. I'll stop tomorrow. I blew the day already. I might as well just have fun, quote-unquote fun. And I realized I couldn't stop. Um, it was, I blew right past New Year's when the holidays were done, and the holidays meant food for me at the time. And I realized I wasn't going to stop without help. And I finally remembered, oh, yeah, my therapist mentioned OA. I might as well call. Wow. Um, so tell me about your first experience at that very first OA meeting. What was it like for you? Um, well, I, this is uh, January 1990, 
And I went right after a therapy appointment, so I was already kind of raw. <laughs> um, I walked into the meeting, and there were 26 women, and there was one other guy besides me. And uh-huh. I, I saw that, and I noticed that it didn't bother me that much, but it, it did kind of like, oh, okay. And I listened to the people, and I related, and I understood. And what was really interesting is during this particular meeting, they were passing around a stuffed animal. Uh, to people. So uh, they were sharing this little stuffed animal to hug. And near the end, I finally said, okay, can I borrow that stuffed animal a minute? I need to talk. And I said, I'm Mike, and I'm pretty sure I'm a compulsive overeater. And I said, this is my very first time. And what people just surrounded me and welcome. Uh, It was so wonderful. Uh, And I decided I'll go back again. And I went to a different meeting, which ended up becoming my home meeting. And I really... I, I just felt the love that I never felt before from anyone. And what is a home meeting exactly? A home meeting is a place where a member in Overeaters Anonymous would regularly attend. Um, so it's expected that you will attend the meeting every week. And, uh, of course, occasionally you might have to miss a meeting because of something on the schedule or you're ill or whatever, but you will be missed and people will follow up with you and say, you know, are you okay? How's things going? Uh, and then there might be other meetings that you go to if you missed a meeting. Let's say on Tuesday, you might go to one on Thursday at a different place. Absolutely. Oh, yes. yeah. And in yeah. fact, I would go to more than one meeting. In fact, I do now. I will go to anywhere between one and three meetings a week, depending on what's going on. And I did that then, too. Wow. And there was a period. And... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say there was a period in my life where I was uh, laid off. And so until I found a job, I had lots of time. So sometimes it was six meetings a week. Hmm. Wow. And were were you? Why did you feel compelled to go to so many meetings during um, that period? When Just, I was laid off, uh, because that was very a very unstable time for me, um, and I wasn't making yeah. a standard income. Um, we really couldn't live on my uh, husband's income alone, and so it was a little scary time. And I realized that whenever I had an unusual situation in life or deeper emotions going on, like the stress of a uh, of uh, lack of income. Um, I know that food would look too good to me, and if I started eating too much, then that's not recovery for me. Uh, right. So I needed that support of people to say, hey, you know, I'm having a stressful time. I'm job hunting. I'm a little scared about the money. Uh, I don't want to overeat, so I'm here and help. And then people would talk to me and share their thoughts on what they do to help that's, us stay that's great. That's great to have a resource like that. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. I live in a town where there are a lot of meetings, and I know that uh, not all places have that. So I'm very yeah. lucky. And you're, fr- you're in Maryland, right? Yes, uh, specifically yeah. Baltimore. Yeah. So biggest city here. So uh, I'm curious uh, because about 85% of, uh, based on our last survey of members, are women, mm-hmm. and there are considerably fewer men that, that come to OA, although certainly are probably compulsive eating, just right. not coming to OA. So being a man, you said that at first that meeting was kind of strange for you. Over the years, like, have you seen more men come in? What's it like being a man in OA? Is it just any different, or is it just no big deal? You know, for me, it's not really a big deal. Um, I've been in situations where there are more women than men. So, for example, in my profession, 
uh, our staff or staff is majority women, and that's been the way it's always been during my career. So that's not something that ever bothered me per se. Also, being a gay man, I didn't have that extra component that some men would have of seeing women, and of course, feeling attracted to one or another, and just having all that dynamic yes. going on. So yeah. I'm kind of lucky that way. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So I've never, I've personally not had a problem. I've heard other men share that, uh, you know, they have to deal with a dynamic of being attracted to other women and how do they act appropriately or not. And, um, and unfortunately, once in a great while, there is a man who doesn't quite know how to deal with something. He might say or do something inappropriate. Not, not, not to, uh, and when I say inappropriate, I don't mean sexually inappropriate, but maybe a socially inappropriate thing to say because we're all still trying to learn how to deal with each other. Sure, sure, that makes sense. Um, oh, you know what? It's time for a short break already. That flew by. Yeah. <laughs> so we will uh, continue with Mike after the break. This is Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Stay tuned. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories. I took pills. Eating and eating and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone like nobody else could possibly understand we understand we're overeaters anonymous and we have helped thousands of people just like you people who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy rewarding life overeaters anonymous help me get my life back now i eat in a way that's healthy and good for me i never realized what i was missing out on with oa i am living again and loving it Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi Lapel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, Back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Mike about his experience in OA meetings and how the meetings support his abstinence. So let's see. A lot of members talk about their absolute amazement when they come to an OA meeting and they hear people sharing things that 
they do with food and they didn't think anybody else did those things. So was that kind of how it was for you? Oh, exactly. Yes. I, I remember, especially the second meeting where I mentioned that I found my home meeting that very night I, when I was talking and people were nodding their heads back and forth and I'm looking around and people were saying the very things I did because they used to think I was the only one that ever did some of this crazy stuff with food. And yeah. here they were, everybody was doing that. And boy, talk about the bonding experience. That was just amazing because I found people just like me that I never thought existed. That must have been just a, such a relief, I would think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gave me a lot of hope because people were talking about their uh, weight loss, their um, experiences with being able to keep the food uh, in the fridge or on the shelf instead of putting it in their mouth. And um, they're talking about their uh, work on the 12 steps and, and service and all these great things that helped them um, not only lose the weight and keep it off, but to give them a much happier life. Yeah, it's probably something that felt completely out of your reach, I would think, mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, let's see. A lot of people might wonder, is, is an OA meeting just basically like group therapy? Oh, not at all. Um, and I can relate to the experience of both because I've had both. For me, in group therapy, of course, people shared back and forth, but there was direct feedback from the therapist or other group members that um, sometimes were very uncomfortable. And at times, walking out of a therapy session uh, felt pretty awful. And you might remember when I mentioned going to my first meeting right after a therapy session, it felt pretty raw for me to leave that therapy session. But what I really love in OA in the meetings is it feels very safe because we can share anything from our heart, and we're encouraged to share how we use the principles of Overeaters Anonymous and recovery to deal with those things. But we can feel very safe because people don't give us direct feedback during the meeting or interrupt us or condemn us or anything. It's like we were there for mutual understanding. And then we can talk after the meeting about our mutual experiences together one-on-one or later on. So I, I... I just love that safety of OA, and I cherish that today, 23 years later. Wow. What kinds of things would you hear shared at a meeting in general? In general, um, I would hear people talk about um, that they were able to put down the food, though it was very tempting at that point, like at a holiday gathering. And, of course, with Thanksgiving in the United States just passing, there was a lot of talking about oh, you know, I was able to only eat one plate, and people who weren't successful were able to say, hey, you know, I did not have good luck with this. I overate, and nobody condemned them. Um, Other things that people would talk about, just their general lives. Um, You know, my husband and I had a discussion or disagreement, and I really wanted to go to the food, but instead I called someone. Or I had a really rough day at work, and I passed the fast food place, and I was tempted to drive in and get fast food and eat all that stuff, but I didn't. Instead, I, um, you know, I read a piece of literature, or I prayed and just drove right by. So there's just a lot of normal life circumstances that we talk about and how we deal with them without overeating. Yeah. So it sounds like it's also a place to really acknowledge um, you know, like the miracles in your life or the, you know, the miracle, like one miracle being, wow, I, I wanted to go to that drive-in and I didn't. Yeah. And, and so people can really acknowledge 
what they've accomplished or acknowledge where they're struggling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's that safe place. I mean, we in OA, we members sit together and we understand each other. And we, we kind of laugh at times about, you know how weird this would sound to, quote, normal people, unquote, on the outside? <laughs> we can talk about it here and laugh with each other instead of getting weird looks from others saying, you did what? So yes. people on the outside may or may not understand why we act compulsively toward food. And yet we know here that we all are compulsive and that we can really just be there for each other. Yeah, so that that understanding is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it is actually time to move on to another guest. Okay. So um, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. You're well, most welcome, Naomi. Great to talk to you. All right. We are going to welcome Tina from Massachusetts, who's lost about 65 pounds and is maintaining that for about 23 years. Are you there, Tina? Yes, I am, Naomi. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Welcome. Thank you. So, uh, what was your life like before OA? <laughs> First of all, I'm very proud to say that I'm an Air Force brat. So we moved every three to four years, um, which had its pros and cons. Um, part of the pro was that I've lived around the world. Part of the con is that I was always making new friends, but food was always there for me, no matter where we moved to. And, um, you know, I lived in Japan, I've lived in Italy, food was there. The other thing is that by being an Air Force brat, you know somebody's going to be moving, so you don't get into um, real deep friendships. You know, there's always this uh, veneer, but there was always the food, there was always the books, things like that. Um, I'd say I was a compulsive overeater probably from about, the day I was born, I just saw a picture of me at 10 months. I just saw it a year ago. And at 10 months, I definitely belonged. I was a little chunk of chunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another story is that supposedly when I was three, I walked downstairs and ate my aunt's lunch that she had made for the previous day to go to work. So, um, oh, and, my. <laughs> yeah. You know. Other people would buy one of something. I would buy two of something. And I'm also um, a grazer, just eat all day, and uh, a binger. And But I would never do that in front of you. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so you might, so you would uh, sort of look like you're eating or eat normally what people would consider a normal amount when you're around people, and then you would go home and kind of in secret binge. Absolutely. Not just kind of, but absolutely. Yep. And, you know, the night wasn't made for Michelob. It was for the munchy crunchies. Uh, bag open, bag gone. Um, I lived by myself once I was an adult, so there, there was nobody to hide it from. So it's, um, yeah, and then, um, you know, the weight would go up. I'd go on a diet, lose the weight, start smoking to lose the weight, get disgusted um, that I was smoking stop smoking, gain weight, just the the typical yo-yo, but I couldn't stop. And just like uh, Mike before me, I thought I was the only one. You know, in my head, I thought something was wrong. Um, As an adult, I considered myself a foodaholic. I considered myself a glutton. I've called myself worse. Um, You know, I have the horror stories in terms of the little kid that I was babysitting, saying to her mother, Mommy, is she pregnant? And um, no, I wasn't. Mm. I, 
was big. My yeah. highest grade that I know of was 213 in college. Um, and, um, again, that's, a, I think, because when, when you're getting up there, you don't weigh in too often. Sure, sure. You don't want to face that. No, you know, and it was a cute GI. Um, we were living on base, and I had to get a college uh, uh, physical or a physical before college, and it was a cute GI who weighed me in at 213. And my response probably was to go home and eat more. You know, so, um, you know, the did horror you, story. Did you consider yourself then, um, well, some people eat, uh, or like call themselves emotional eaters, others say they're stress eaters. Um, did you kind of categorize your way, yourself in any way, or you just, it was just kind of across the board? I'd have to say just across the board. I'm not really sure um, if I labeled myself. Um, I know, um, you know, talking and listening earlier, um, you and Mike talking in terms of some of the experiences I missed out on. Um, when I lived in Japan, we were uh, some students and an instructor, and we were all going into Tokyo. And I bowed out at the very last second, my fear, doubt, and insecurity, and then went to the um, <clears throat> base um, snack bar and, and got a hot uh, fudge sundae. And, uh, again, a GI said something about, gee, that's kind of fattening. And I said, yep, and just went and ordered another one. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Um, yeah, it was really uh, eating your feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hiding behind them and um, not always knowing why. And you know, again, wanting to stop uh, didn't have to be gourmet food. You know, um, I tell the story of um, I went through a bag of scally bread and mayonnaise one night. Now that's not exactly gourmet, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what finally got you to an OA meeting? <clears throat> You know, it's interesting. I'm trying to remember. I don't know how I heard of OA. And I'm wondering if it was one of the OA movies. Um, I came in in 89. I had a meeting list for over a year. So somehow I heard about it. I don't know how. Called at, uh, I'm in the Boston area, and at that time we had a local office. Called for a meeting list, which I had for over uh, over a year. Uh, But as to how I knew about OA... I don't know, but I do know that I called myself a foodaholic, and if food had the same effect that alcohol had, and fortunately I really did not enjoy alcohol, I would have been drunk all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Um, and again, a lot of it, like with the holidays and people bringing things in, I would nickel and dime things to death, and at the end of the day, everything would be gone, but you wouldn't have known it was me. Wow. Yeah. What was your experience at an, your first experience at an OA meeting? Wow. <clears throat> um, first I went, and I, I didn't go with anybody, just talked to myself into going, because I had made a promise that I would go before June 25th, and it was a couple of days before that. When I got there, the meeting had been canceled, and it's only canceled once a year. So I'm driving home, looking <laughs> wow. up. <laughs> I know. I'm like, okay, God, what kind of sense of humor do you have? You know. <laughs> uh, so I went, but somebody said to me, "Come back," and I can remember thinking, "I want her to be my sponsor." Now, again, I don't know where I heard that word from, but anyway, so a week later, I still got there before June 25th, and it was a very large meeting: um, men, women, young, old, about 150. Wow! And, exactly. And the first, I sat down, you know, the the legs jumping up and down, 
person next to me is a newcomer, too, and I'm like, i got to get away from her because she's just yakety, 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 yak. <laughs> and um, so I moved, changed seats, and finally admitted to somebody near me that I was kind of new. Um, it was, I felt like I was home. The very wow. first person who shared was in like a, a size two jumpsuit. And oh, hold, about- hold that thought for a second, Tina. We're going to take a quick break. Sorry to interrupt, but we nope. will um, be back in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. I'm Naomi LaPel. Stay with us. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous. Help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to sound bites from overeaters anonymous with naomi lapel to find out more about oa please visit www.oa.org now back to today's program welcome back to the show we're talking with tina from massachusetts um, okay so tina you were you were talking about a woman speaking at the meeting who was a mm-hmm. size two Yep, size two. This was a, a discussion meeting. There are a, a, a different, a lot of different types of meetings in OA, and in a discussion meeting, there's no topic, so people just are called upon and they go up and they share for five minutes. And I'm looking at this woman, and I'm like, "Why is she here?" And then she started to share, and she had been 240 pounds before she came into OA, and she didn't want to be that again which is why she was, A, at the meeting and sharing. And this is just what you hear all the time at meetings. Um, you see a variety of people. You see a variety of sizes and shapes. You see young, old, whatever. But for myself, I've been going for 23 years, and it's because I was in hell. I've been in hell, and I don't want to go back there. 
And for me, the way not to go back there is to work my program, uh, doing the tools like Mike talked about, working the steps, traditions, and going to those meetings, going to those meetings. My first one, I felt like I was at home. I felt hope. Uh, like Mike said, I found out, and I, I was 39 when I went. For the first time in my life, I realized I wasn't the only person doing what I was doing with food. I, other people talked about taking it out of the trash, eating it half frozen, eating my brother's portion and mine, mm-hmm. bag open, bag gone. And then they were saying, and you know what? I don't do that today. But one wow. was a relief to hear I wasn't the only one, and two, there was a solution. That's that's awesome. Oh, incredible! I, I still to this you know to this day that meeting is just so meaningful. As was my second, which is, became my home meeting. Uh huh. You know, and that was the qualifier meeting. And with what that, does that mean? With that, Naomi, it means a uh, person. First of all, uh, we have a different leader each week. But then with the qualifiers, uh, been invited in to share their story. So they talk about kind of like what we're doing, like what I was like before program. They talk about how they got into program and then what's happened since program. Mm-hmm. Great. So, uh, yeah, it really, really is. You know, when you hear, um, most times you hear a little bit of the background, some of the horror stories, but more of the recovery. And, you know, no, I wasn't struck abstinent. No, I didn't stop eating compulsively after my first meeting. I probably went out and had a binge. But you know what? I knew I was at home. And that first week, I went to three meetings, not because anyone told me to, but because that was the only time I was at peace. Wow. That's amazing. That's really amazing. Um, Tell me, um, let's just talk a little bit about... um, the logistics of a meeting. So you've talked about a few different types of mm-hmm. meetings, and then uh, a meeting is usually about an hour, right, or maybe an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. It depends okay. on the meeting, but usually an hour or an hour and a half, yeah. And what, just briefly, what happens at a typical meeting? It, um, depending on the type of meeting, you do have a leader, but that leader rotates. It's not as if you have um, the president who's there every week. Uh-huh. Um, there's usually a set format where we may open it with the serenity prayer, which most 12-step programs do. Uh-huh. Um, because we are a 12-step program, sometimes we read the 12 steps, 12 traditions, and then depending on the type of meeting, for example, with the discussion, it's just or, or a topic meeting, they say, okay, the meeting today, the topic is on um, being grateful around the holidays and then Mm -hmm. open it up, and then the leader would call on different people who would share their experiences, um, similar again to what Mike had said in terms of, you know, how they got through Thanksgiving or how they got got through Halloween. I mean, Halloween comes every year. You know, my first year I thought it was a game, and then I realized, wait a minute, this is every year. (laughs) 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 I've got to get through this. Uh, You know, and by hearing different people share, it's like, Okay, one, they've been through it, and two, they didn't have to eat. You know, I learned in this program that um, going, well, I came into program right before I was going to be losing my job, and that's what got me into program finally. Um, 
and I was unemployed for about six months, and I just went to meetings all the time because I was at peace, and each meeting was different, so I'd have a different type of meeting, the discussion or the qualifier. Uh, I'd, so I'd hear different people share their struggles and also their recoveries that, you know, they had bad news yesterday, and they didn't eat over it. Instead, they came to a meeting. Um, I've, I've gone through the death of my father, the death of my mother in this program, and I didn't have to eat over it. Mm-hmm. Which is you something know? you probably would have done before, huh? Uh, absolutely. You know, my mother died first, and it was like that was the one thing in program that I wasn't sure. I came in 89. I wasn't sure what would happen because she was my best friend. And um, the fellowship, the people that I met through program were just incredible. The foundation that I had gotten, God was smart with me. <laughs> and so just the spiritual God, I lost my job. And I was like, okay, when I get a job, boy, and I was, in, I was doing program. When I get a job, boy, I'm going out for a heck of a binge. Well, I didn't huh. get a job for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> By then, I didn't want to binge. Yep. You know, that's and great. that's great. You know, but for that six month period, I had a time to work on me, which, and I heard program family job, but I had a time to really get a solid foundation. You know, we encourage newcomers to go to different meetings because there are different flavors. And sure. And different people talking. Yeah. You know, so you um, go to a bunch of different meetings and just see which one kind of fits you the best. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, I have my favorite meetings, but if they're not available, I'll go to others. I also mm-hmm. have now started to do phone meetings, which when I came in in 89, we did not have. Right. Um, you know, so before program, I had favorite flavors. But if those favorite flavors weren't around, any flavor would do. Mm-hmm. And today in program, I have my favorite meeting, my home meeting. But if they're not around or if I'm elsewhere, I always have another meeting to go to. And that right. gives me the strength, hope, and recovery so that I can That's... continue. Yeah, that is so great. Mm. Well, we have to move on and uh, talk to our last guest. So I want to thank you for joining us, Tina. Thank you, Naomi. All right. Our last guest on today's show is Eileen from California. Are you there, Eileen? Yes. Hi. Welcome. So I understand you are maintaining a 45 to 50 pound weight loss. Is that right? Yes. My weight loss averages um, pretty Steady this year at 47 pounds that I'm maintaining, and January 13th uh, will be seven consecutive years of abstinence. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit about what it was like for you before you came to OA. Um, I Well, I'll start off by saying I was of normal weight um, all my life um, until... I was in my late 20s and had my first child and um, gained a significant amount of weight in that pregnancy, but eventually did lose it. And when I became pregnant with my second child, I also gained even more weight. And um, at that point, 
I was finding it very difficult at age 30 to age 32 to um, get back to my normal slender self. And um, with the birth of that child, I, I also was fighting, um, coping with a very bad case of colic. Both of my boys had colic. Mm. And I was up, up most, almost every night, sometimes more than two or three times a night. And I found that I was up for so many hours during the night that I would get hungry. And so I started eating uh, a third or fourth, I mean a fourth or even a fifth meal in a 24-hour period. And that became a habit um, that, I, that I continued doing um, four or five meals a day. Uh, grazing, that sort of thing, even long after my boys were grown and well into school. So mm-hmm. I, my life before I came to OA was um, one of seeking, constantly seeking ways to get my weight down to its normal level. And I tried many commercial, diff, diff, different commercial programs. Uh huh. Um, which I won't name here, but I think most people are familiar. Sure. They are advertised so well. Uh, and had limited success with each one of them, but couldn't, couldn't stay on any of those diet programs for very long, not longer than three days. So I, I sought other avenues. I sought... Um, I went to lectures, I bought books, I read magazine articles, anything I could find that would help me get my weight down to its original slender self. I always had that ideal in mind, and I was always seeking it out. Um, and life, that there was a period of 23 years went by of living like this, and I finally realized that I just didn't have any more places to seek I didn't. I couldn't think of anything else that would work for me, and I started to get. Um, I, I won't say suicidal. I wasn't suicidal, but I really questioned. My life doesn't seem to be worth living. I feel so unworthy because I'm so overweight. Yeah. Wow. And I did remember one thing came to mind. I had heard about Overeaters Anonymous. Years ago, in uh, reading about it in the Dear Abby column. Oh, yeah. And that was the only thing that came to mind that I hadn't tried. So my life uh, before I came to OA, I I found OA in my community. Um, I live in California. I found OA in my community by going online and looking for a meeting. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, my life changed after I started my first meeting. Wow, that's wonderful. Hey, we're going to take another short break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more. Okay. You're listening to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous on Voice America. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
I knew I had a problem, but I didn't know what to do about it. I tried counting calories, I took pills, eating and eating, and then more eating. I really wanted to stop, but nothing could make me stop. At one point, it was so bad that I just felt like giving up. I felt so alone. Like nobody else could possibly understand. We understand. We're Overeaters Anonymous, and we have helped thousands of people just like you. People who want to stop their compulsive eating and start living a healthy, rewarding life. Overeaters Anonymous, help me get my life back. Now I eat in a way that's healthy and good for me. I never realized what I was missing out on. With OA, I am living again and loving it. Start living the life you deserve with help from Overeaters Anonymous. Find us on the web at OA.org. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are listening to sound bites from Overeaters Anonymous with Naomi LaPel. To find out more about OA, please visit www.oa.org. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back to Sound Bites from Overeaters Anonymous. We're talking with OA member Eileen about the role meetings have played in her recovery. So, you said Eileen that you got to your first meeting and mm-hmm. That was just a change in your life. Yes, it was. Um, would you like me to talk about that? Yeah, tell me about your first meeting. Did you have that experience that um, our other guests talked about where they, they heard people just, they were amazed that other people did the stuff that they did with food? Yes, although I, I, it's, it's worth telling this part. Um, uh, the, the, the first meeting that I found was... Um, in Berkeley, near my home, and um, it was at a church, and it was at a very large church with many, many rooms, and I saw um, a woman going in. She was on a very fancy racing bike and dressed in biking garb, very slim and athletic-looking, and I followed her in, and I saw her go into a room with a lot of other thin people in it, and I just assumed it was maybe perhaps a Bible reading group. Mm-hmm. So I kept walking down the hall looking for uh, Overeaters Anonymous. I was looking for a sign or for overweight people. And I went down the length of this hallway and looked in various rooms, and they were empty. And so I went back and I said to the meeting where the woman with the bicycle was was going into, that I'm looking for the Overeaters Anonymous meeting. Do you know where it is? And they said, well, we are the meeting. <laughs> and I said, but all of you here in this room, you're, you're all thin and of normal weight. And, and they all started to laugh, and they said, that's why we're here. <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know what we used to look like. 
Of course. And, and they said, sit down and just listen. And I instantly knew, especially after they, they were all women that day at that particular meeting, after they started talking that these women had had what I wanted. And they, I was willing to do whatever they did to get to look like they did. And, and it was most impressive to me that many of the women in the room had several years' worth of abstinence, meaning they had been on their food plan, um, they had kept their weight off, they were of a normal body weight, and they were very, very happy with their lives. Wow, that's amazing. Um, when did you, did you share for the first time at that meeting? I did. Um, I don't remember exactly what I said. Maybe it was probably words to the effect of my, my history with my weight and my desire to lose it. And um, the, I, I was seeking the eternal holy grail, which is, if only I'm thin, then I'll be happy. Of and course, so right. That's essentially what I told the women. And, and they said, well, just if you're willing to have what we, if you want what we have and are willing to go to any lengths to get it, then join us and do what we do, and it should happen to you too. And it was a, it was a lifeline. It was wonderful hope. Did you find a sponsor at that meeting? Not at that particular meeting. I did have difficulty finding a sponsor, um, mainly because I, there were sponsors there, but they, what I heard at that meeting and a few others that I tried, people had, people had so many sponsees they couldn't take on another member. Mm. But eventually I did find, <clears throat> excuse me, eventually I did find a meeting and there was a, a lovely woman who agreed to sponsor me. And are the, are the things you share with your sponsor different from what you would share at a meeting? Not necessarily. Um, I often find that uh, I say more at meetings than I do to my sponsor. Mm. Um, and, and mainly because I'm, I'm in long-term abstinence now, and um, I... I don't need to talk to my sponsor every day. Um, most people who are in the very beginning stages who are still seeking their goal weight are communicating with their sponsor every day. But because I'm on maintenance level, um, I speak to my sponsor just once a week. So at, at the current time, I am speaking more in meetings than I do to my sponsor. But in the beginning, definitely I was speaking more to my sponsor than at meetings. Because in a meeting, in the meetings that I attend, there's a traditionally a three-minute time limit on the share. Ah, okay. So that's how everyone gets a turn to share. Not everyone gets a turn. It depends on the size of the meeting. One meeting I attend has, believe it or not, has 90 members in it. Wow. Um, not all 90 attend every Saturday morning, but it is the largest meeting, and just because of the sheer size where the average attendance is around 50 people, uh, not everyone can even expect to share. Right. But what we do say at the large meeting is, if you've shared last week or recently, try to give someone else a chance to share. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 
But in a small great. meeting, for example, my home meeting is a, a Sunday morning meeting, and there's typically only eight people who come. It's a small group, but the advantage of a small group meeting is everyone does get a chance to share. Yeah. And who leads the meetings? Are, are there people that are specially trained to do that, or could anyone do that? Um, you don't need any special training. Um, anyone can lead a meeting, and we call our leaders secretaries. Mm-hmm. And the secretary, um, most meetings have their script, which is um, based on OA writings. The script is in a binder, and it's read by a person called the secretary. And uh, it takes no special training, but usually a secretary is someone who's been at least around for a number of weeks or months uh, and knows how things go. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there, we talked about different kinds of meetings earlier. Um, do you go to meetings with special topics? Yes, I do. Um, in my intergroup, we have one meeting that is um, geared toward um, relapse. Um, another, another very specialized meeting that we have is called HOW, which is an acronym for honesty, open-mindedness, and the W is willingness. Mm-hmm. And, and um, that's the philosophy of not only my group, but my entire intergroup is made up of almost 20 meetings that are all on the HOW program. And the HOW program is a specialized type of OA meeting where we follow a specific food plan. Yeah, I've heard that it's it's um, maybe a little bit more structured than some OA it's, meetings. That's right. Um, the mm-hmm. difference between the HOW meetings and the regular OA meetings are uh, an individual who joins regular OA, as I, as I call it, um, standard OA, um, decides for himself or herself what the food plan will be. We tend not to use the word diet, but some people might say, well, it's a diet. But we like to say food plan because it's, it becomes a daily way of life. At any yeah. rate, in, in regular OA, the individual decides on that food plan, and that decision is based on speaking to a physician or a physician's representative, like a nurse practitioner or a dietitian or a nutritionist. And that person commits to staying on that chosen program isn't something that the person can change day to day or month to month. Um, yeah. There's a formal commitment. Whereas in the HOW program, we have two, two food plans. One is called the basic, and the second is called maintenance. And a person stays on the basic food plan, which has a lot of things in common with a diabetic diet. In other words, there's food lists, and a Mm -hmm. person selects different foods for that day from the list of protein, fat, vegetables, fruit, Mm -hmm. carbohydrates, um, and stays on that basic food plan until they reach goal weight. And after the individual reaches goal weight, they start maintenance food plan, mm-hmm. and the maintenance yeah. food plan, 
Oh, Eileen, you know what? It's uh, I can't believe it, but we've already come to the end of the program. I'm sorry oh, I had to cut you sorry. off there. Okay. <laughs> it just really flew by. Okay. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show, and also thanks for Mike and Tina for joining us as well. You're welcome. If you if you suspect that you or someone you care about might have a problem with compulsive eating or other eating issues, go to our website at oa.org and check out the 15 questions in the newcomer section. And come to a meeting and see for yourself whether OA can help you. We promise you acceptance, understanding, and hope. We have over 6,500 face-to-face online and telephone meetings in about 80 countries worldwide. Find one in your area or call us at 505-891-2664. Join us next week to hear about all the ways that the OA program helps members not only reach and maintain a healthy weight, but also improves and even transforms many other aspects of their lives like relationships, work, and overall well-being. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week. Soundbites from Overeaters Anonymous is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until next week's program, may you find support, acceptance, and hope for a renewed life. We'll be right back.